Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. Deaths from opioid overdose are reaching record numbers. And despite that, patients with opioid addiction could soon lose access to their care because the telehealth options they depended on for the last couple of years are set to expire. That's really what's at risk here, is is people losing that quick, easy access that they're comfortable with. On the show today, public health reporter Krista Marr on the opioid telehealth boom and why it's at risk. There has been a long-standing federal policy that in order to get a prescription for buprenorphine, you have to go to see your doctor in the person. And during the pandemic, because there were lockdowns and people weren't going to the office, the government recognized that that was not going to be realistic and that people couldn't lose access for the drug. And so as part of the public health emergency, they waived that in-person visit and people were able to get access to the drug and get prescriptions for the drug just by seeing their therapist online. And so as a result of that, a lot of companies that had been pretty small really exploded and went from seeing, you know, a few hundred patients to thousands of patients across the country because the need has is really great for patients that um, need access to this particular drug. And patients liked being able to get care in the privacy of their own homes. Can you also just explain what buprenorphine is? Sure. Um, Buprenorphine is a, it is itself an opioid that is used to treat the withdrawal symptoms from opioid addiction. So it is given to patients as they go through withdrawal to ease those symptoms and to prevent them from relapsing and going back to using a more powerful drug. It is a controlled substance, you know, that the DEA monitors the use and prescription of. And that's why it isn't, you know, you can't just prescribe it if you're a GP. You actually have to get a special license from the federal government to prescribe this drug and help people wean themselves off of their opioid addiction. How helpful is it as a drug or is it the most helpful drug that exists for fighting opioid addiction? There are others. The efficacy of buprenorphine is very high for opioid addiction in terms of both keeping people off of uh, more harmful drugs and also in reducing uh, mortality in terms of overdose death. And that's really the area that the federal government is working hard on because for two years in a row now, there have been a record number of deaths due to opioid overdoses in the country. Mm -hmm. And so this drug is proven to help with that and um, is a really powerful tool for people who are working in this in treatment. So if it is so effective, then why cut the ability to prescribe it with telehealth? Well, it's interesting. The DEA has said that it intends to increase access to the drug via telehealth medicine. However, 
the agency has missed previous deadlines to do this. This first came up in 2009. Mm -hmm. Congress brought it up again in 2018, 2019. So the agency hasn't been very quick to act on this. And that's something that its critics really say is creating harm and it's dragging its feet. You know, some people say that we talk to say, you know, it's kind of in the DNA of the agency to control controlled substances and mm-hmm. that that's a really difficult institutional shift. But the agency has acknowledged that something, you know, that it is a, a useful drug and that it needs to change. How much of the is a political issue versus a bureaucratic one? I think that there is some political division about the best way forward in terms of tackling the opioid crisis, which also is a public health emergency, just like COVID and has been since 2017. Mm. Buprenorphine is part of uh, harm reduction strategies, which is the idea being, you know, we want to have less people getting very sick and dying from these powerful drugs that are on the market. And some people don't necessarily agree with that. Some policymakers think that more drugs kind of circulating in our ecosystem is not necessarily the best way to go about things, even though studies do show that this this drug is powerful in reducing opioid deaths. And what are some of the risks of prescribing without in-person visits? Some of the things that people have been worried about when it comes to loosening controls on the substance are diversion, which means that uh, people are taking the drug and either, you know, passing it on illegally to other people who don't need it because, you know, it is an opioid or they are using it themselves, not following along with a prescription. However, the amount of diversion that has been happening with uh, buprenorphine has been going down in recent years. So that is less of a concern than it might have been. Another concern that comes up in terms of prescribing the drug is, again, coming back to the DEA. And there are both pharmacies and clinicians who are concerned about prescribing a drug that's federally monitored, and they Mm -hmm. are worried about prescribing something that, you know, they may have the feds coming after them if they do it improperly. So that's another concern that both kind of pharmacies and clinicians have brought up over the years. I'm curious to talk more about the telehealth industry, too. We know, as you were saying, that during the pandemic, the telehealth industry exploded, and it's, it sounds like the landscape for telehealth services, specifically targeting opioid use disorder, grew especially quickly. So what can you say about why it received so much financial investment? It's a really interesting question. I think that um, probably the the practical answer for that is because this is seen as something that the companies that cropped up in this space were seen as successfully treating a growing problem and therefore, as a business model, frankly, um, have long legs. You know, I mean, this is not a problem that's going away anytime soon. It's in, it's yeah. it's increasing. And I think that there has been a dearth of really viable and practical and lasting treatment options for people in this country. Mm -hmm. And these new startups kind of stepped into this space. 
you know, we interviewed six different companies. Almost all of them had either received a lot of venture capital investment or grant money from the federal government to get their businesses off the ground or do research. So there's just a lot of interest in this. And, you know, when you go online and you look at one of these companies' websites, you can see why it's an attractive space for people. They are user-friendly, mm-hmm. easy to kind of navigate. They give you very quick and immediate ways to get in touch with a doctor right then. And that is something that people involved in opioid treatment say is really critical that, you know, if I say today, this is a day that I want to get off opioids, it is most effective for me to get a prescription for buprenorphine right away. Um, So Mm -hmm. any kind of lag creates more time, which I could change my mind or circumstances in my life might change and it would decrease my odds of actually getting, getting on treatment. So we know that the regulations allowing buprenorphine to be prescribed by telehealth, as you were saying, expire in October and currently are not set to be renewed. Who is working on changing that and what is the likelihood that gets extended? So the flexibilities end with the end of the public health emergency, which is likely to end in October. That's the sort of next window that it might end. Which is also sort of ironic, as you said, because there's two public health emergencies here. It's just that this one is being governed by the COVID public health emergency. Well, exactly. And I, many people working in the space have pointed out that HHS could, in fact, create, you know, extend these flexibilities to telehealth under the opioid public health emergency in the same way that they've been extended in the COVID public health emergency should that one should that end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that is one avenue. There is also kind of a congressional avenue that this could take where Congress makes this change. It has bipartisan support, but it doesn't have a lot of traction. It's just not top of mind right now in Congress. Mm -hmm. And then there, you know, is the DEA taking action. And I think that people who are active in trying to push for more treatment options are being, you know, talking to the DEA and, and saying that this is a change that we think would be beneficial for patients in the country. Another thing that complicates the regulation of this drug is that states have their own requirements for how it gets prescribed and used. And for instance, while currently there is a, you know, anybody in the country under federal law can go in and get a buprenorphine prescription without an in-person visit, Alabama has actually just passed a law saying, well, actually, you do need to have had an in-person visit in the last 12 months. And Mm -hmm. there's another law that requires women who are pregnant to have a pregnancy test before they go. And similar regulations are kind of shifting around. And so so basically, you know, one one of the company CEOs that I talked to called it, you know, a, a patchwork of regulation throughout the country. And that's really what it is right now. And it makes it more complicated. Krista Marr, thank you so much for talking with me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Also in the news, cyber attacks on health systems went up during the pandemic, and 2022 could be the worst year yet. From January through June, the Office of Civil Rights tallied 256 hacks and information breaches, up from 149 for the same period one year ago. 
And Andrew Gillum, former candidate for the governor of Florida and rising Democratic star, is facing a 21-count federal indictment that was unsealed on Wednesday. The indictment alleges that he illegally solicited campaign contributions between 2016 and 2019, including when he ran for governor against Ron DeSantis, and promised political favors in return for financial support. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>